You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. You don't know about the, the other side of the pyramid? The fifth side? It's called the floor, you dumbass. <laughs> I just want to make sure he realizes there is a fifth side of the pyramid. And I believe none of them, which makes me an expert. Hello, folks. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Cryptic Conspiracy Cold. I am your host, and I have two special guests. That isn't Christy Phillips. I have to my right, Alex Stiff. Yo, yo. He will be our acting Jamie today. Yes, sir. And to my left is my cousin from West Virginia, the home of the funnest cryptids. Yeehaw! Yeah, Mr. Mothman, Grafton Monster, whatever fucking stupid thing that came from outer space. Mr. Mothman himself over here. Robert Riestenberg. Sup. Sup. (laughs) Bruh. 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 Nah, guys, we're doing a full podcast day. We're all just getting together, trying to knock out quite a bunch of episodes and trying to start 2024 on a good old a good old start. Uh, last time I had a, a fly-by-night episode with Fireball that I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I loved enjoyed recording it. <laughs> God damn, that was wild. I will say uh, making the artwork for that was fun because Fireball legit looks like a cryptid. Yep. Hey, what's that in the woods? Oh, it's just Is Fireball. That the- is that the Caucasian skunk ape? <laughs> <laughs> it's fireball! Woo-wee, <laughs> 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 brother! <laughs> but no, today we are not talking about the fictional fireball or the real man himself, but today we are talking about a cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big request from the Discord of a handful of y'all, but uh, Robert, you brought this one up. Uh, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, it's very funny. We were literally sitting at, in a restaurant. Fucking hilarious, too, if I might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just so fucking funny. Um, we, we were sitting around in a restaurant and uh, just, you know, chatting shit back and forth. And then we, I look at Chris and I go, hey, you know, how, how's the podcast doing? Uh, what episodes are coming up? And he's like, oh, we're doing our Cryptid Conspiracy Cult episode. Um, and I was like, oh, have you guys covered Heaven's Gate? And immediate, and then he was like, "Come out, talk about it." <laughs> no, I, so. <laughs> I, I always want random people to come on the show and tell me either stuff I don't know or let's reminisce about some shit I do know. <laughs> and yeah. Heaven's Gate's on that list, and we've kind of taken Heaven's Gate off the list. I kind of wanted to hold it off for someone who really wanted to talk about it because it being a one-off cult and just being in that era of the 90s which is just this batshit crazy era of homegrown terrorism, white nationalist, the fucking alphabet squad fucking up every goddamn day from the atf (laughs) to dea heaven's gate is that one outlier that really that really kicks the 90s for me out of the park when it comes to just batshit craziness yeah i mean like most things that kind of went tits up in the 90s it got its start in the 1970s yes uh you know but yeah, let's let's go into it. Uh, this is a there's a quick synopsis for people who don't know uh, a Mr. Marshall Applewhite, coolest eyes in the game. I gotta say, didn't need no sunglasses to get his coat off the ground. Uh, started uh, in a uh, 
in a hospital in 1972. Uh, he was being kind of uh, taken care of by his one and only love, Miss Bonnie Lou Nettles. Uh, and from 1975 all the way up to the end uh, in 1997, uh, that ends in the largest mm-hmm. American soil death of a cult uh, with a combination of uh, 39 people, uh, 21 women and 18 men of all varying ages were all found dead in their San Diego suburban home uh, with robes, Nike decades, filled with barbiturates, vodka, deader in hell, <laughs> all waiting to ride that rocket to heaven, the hell bop comet. This is a, I will say, guys, when we discuss it, this has got a lot of shit in it. There's a lot of nuances to their little cult. Uh, there's a lot of Jesus. There's a lot of Star Trek. A lot of goddamn Star Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of castration. Uh, <laughs> but I'll leave that out. <laughs> but yeah, it's Marshall Applewhite. This guy alone, just looking at a photo of this man, is batshit crazy. The eyes on this guy. Yeah. It's like the eyes of Tammy Faye Baker. You know, it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Out the gate. Yeah, I mean, like, so he and I guess to start with him, we're going to go back a couple of years, really starting with the 70s. Um, he got his start at the University of St. Thomas in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, as I think it was a music professor. Um and he, there's a lot, there's a lot more context that could be added, but that, I don't think that's necessarily relevant to the formation of the cult and things that happened in. But he was a, a clo- closeted homosexual who ended up having an affair with a student. Well, um, his students regarded him as uh, an engaging speaker and a stylish dresser. Signs were there, <laughs> um, and it was after that, plus uh, several other events. Like I think. Uh, we listened to a podcast on the way here. They said that he had a heart attack, but it wasn't him. I think it was his uh, dad and or some other family member, but I know for sure it was not him himself. Um, but being let go from his job, uh, that event um, led to him having a mental breakdown and then being interred um, at a mental facility where he ran into uh, Bonnie Lude Nettles. Yeah, so their relationship is a very uh, codependent relationship um, going into it. They they see each other not as a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife, but as two people who need each other more than anything. She nurses him back to health from his mental breakdown, all caused by the fear of being found out. Uh because the whole situation with the student was there was an inciting incident. And for people who don't realize this, back in the day when that kind of thing happened, it was either swept under the rug or you went to fucking jail for indecency. Those were the only two options. And I can imagine in late 60s, early 70s, Houston fucking Texas, a mental breakdown is kind of an easy thing to come by down there when you're trying not to be yourself. Yeah. Um, but no, she she kind of you know nurses him back to health, and there is this like understanding between the two of them. Um, there is a book that you can use this as reference. I forget the author's name, but it is the true story of Heaven's Gate. Uh, I think it's called Catching the Comet. Um, but it is about how he met her and how they basically tied out the the religion, how they kind of 
wrote everything out in a fly-by-night kind of manner and then kind of solidified it to the early or uh, early to mid 80s yeah um which it's so crazy because li- like they literally start with um like he wrote himself marshall Applewhite wrote himself that he was just visiting a friend at the site at the psychiatric hospital but i believe it was that he was interred there and she was taking care of him yeah she was a nurse um, there and uh he had he wrote that he felt that they had already met before known each other for quite a while before um and that is when she told him um that their meeting had been uh like foretold prophesized um by extraterrestrials yes so what are the standing points of the heaven's gate cult or religion is our physical bodies here are just vessels that are temporary as we ascend to heaven. So there is a Christian aspect to it, that there is a heavenly body. But on the scientific end, that we are aliens to this world who inhabit the vehicle that is the body. So as funny as that is, it's not no different than Jesus coming to America. Turning Man, this the, ain't no different. <laughs> this ain't no goddamn different than Jesus coming to America and turning the Indians red. So says the Mormons. But I digress. <laughs> I do declare. I do declare it is no different than a man killing a giant with a little rock and a sling. <laughs> uh, real quick, when you're holding your mic, uh, try holding it on the actual microphone. Uh you, you don't have any headphones, so you don't hear it. Mm. Anytime that cord moves, it does like a mm, rustle gotcha, noise. Gotcha. So, yeah, as long as you, and you can probably, you don't even have to like do like that. You can probably just even, yeah, I mean, however you just feel comfortable with it. It doesn't have to be like super, yeah, sorry, go ahead though. Good. You're good, man. Hey, your guys' podcast, tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> no, 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 you're doing great so far. It's just that was the only bit of audio thing. It only started showing up more this episode. We'll fix that in post. Fix, fix, fix that shit, Jamie. <laughs> no, goddammit, I have enough things to fix already. <laughs> shit, not on my end. And, yep. Um, Except all the cussing. <laughs> Marshall Applewhite was, uh, I would say, uh, very easily that he grew up religious um, and and he and Nettles kind of tied this um, new the New Age movement and Christianity into science fiction. Like Applewhite himself, he was really into uh, Robert Heinlein, mm-hmm. Star Trek, yeah. um, but also like the King James Bible. Yeah, see, so yeah, I knew know? Star Trek was of the devil. That's why I'm a Star Wars fan, like a good Christian boy. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what's even, what's even crazier to me? Um, is has that, the same amount of incest in both. <laughs> what's, what's even crazy? What's even crazier to me is that uh, it, like in Heaven's Gate, they actually taught that uh, when Star Trek would be part of their like daily teachings. They would watch yeah. hours of Star Trek, and according to um, people that were in, they called themselves the crew. Not Heaven's Gate actually came later. Um, they were not known by Heaven's Gate till after the suicide. Yeah. Um, but that they were told that they should aspire to be more like the Borg, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting because, like, the Borg are the villains, right? They assimilate, they uh, strip away that individuality into the uh, collective. I haven't watched Star Trek in a long time. No, no, you know it on the head. 
But so I would love to do a whole like ten part, twelve hour miniseries about Star Trek, but no one else watches Star Trek, so <laughs> my dad does. You have him. <laughs> Hell yeah! I'll get your dad, Rob, on the fucking line. I'll get that motherfucker <laughs> talking about the Klingons and the Pond Far and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, so the cool thing about like mm-hmm. when they're talking about the teachings of Star Trek, you know, that is a subculture on its own of you know a nerd subculture. But there is something very simple to people who view that subculture in a certain way especially the idea of the prime directive do not interfere in a way that can disrupt that's the prime directive you know that was the whole point of star trek uh the borg in star trek are the villains but when you talk about assimilate and erase individuality it was also about creating the mass collective of knowledge and this is kind of where Scientology kind of comes in, when it talks about like the body is the vessel, uh, the vehicle or whatever, and like there is a alien soul that can ascend to a heaven. Um, we actually heard some of Applewhite's uh, actual teachings in a recording on the way down here, and the way he kind of describes it is, you know, incorporating the Bible into it is like Jesus was the last one to leave and everyone here has been stuck ever since um and it's kind of when you brought up like robert Heinlein and stuff like that who has a very left right mechanic when he's writing his stories Mm -hmm. when you have something like starship troopers which is a very hardcore right wing science fiction army book and then you have Stranger in a Strange Land, which is a Jesus character, a water brother, which I have a lot to say about Elon Musk <laughs> using that book for some new program he invented, which makes no goddamn sense. But that's for another off-air comment. Uh, but no, like, so when you read those books, you do get this kind of like second coming of jesus moment in stranger in a strange land and i could see him reading that and being like well this makes sense just like the bible makes sense you know i could see him pulling that together and making his own understanding belief when we all do that in a point like how how do we make how we understand something is we kind of make something up until we figure it out you know we create a hypothesis you know a, a thesis basically and work it out from there but he was able to create a whole religion out of it and bonnie nettles just coexisting with him and i can imagine this you know for us this is just like a break room kind of talk but for them this was a therapy session Mm -hmm. for him oh yeah and they nailed out the pillars of their whole fucking religion right then and there and just added to it as they all sat around watching star trek yeah um and I think that it's very important not to understate the science fiction elements. Like a lot, when you watch a lot of uh, cult documentaries, there's a lot of the "oh, anybody could fall for this," but I think that's not true because you have to think about the type of person that would be swept away specifically by science fiction and extraterrestrials along with religion. Well, I. Going into extraterrestrials just real quick, uh, I always ask this of anybody who's new to the show. Uh, do you believe aliens exist? I think it's more likely than not. 
Get the fuck out of here, you fucking <laughs> freak. No. But no, I always ask that question. No matter what answer you give, he finds a way to make you the bad guy for yeah, thinking yeah, no, that. No, no. It's <laughs> my show. My show. You can say all that shit on the couch potatoes. I don't care. It's not my show. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, see, you had a lot more fun on the couch potatoes, didn't you? I know. You? Now, I'll, now I'm under attack. I was going to say, now you're doing Chris's show, and it's a lot more of mine. It's all of a sudden, to see how quiet I've been, he's whipped me into submission. I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to work, Jamie. You see the source material and then you can speak. You you see I've been over here reading. (laughs) Keep reading the website. I am. Dude, this fucking website's nuts. I can't wait till we get to the 90s portion. I have a lot to talk about then. Because this part, because I'm... It's all mm. coming back to me now because yeah. I've heard about this stuff all throughout the years. And I'm like, oh, it was this. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Break out your Nike. You're talking about the 70s because yeah, I, yeah. I saw some tidbits on that, too. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. So going out of the 70s, you know, he kind of runs into kind of some financial problems because they decided to take their show on the road. <laughs> but with that, they actually put in um, they kind of do a money scam. Which for this cult, this this isn't like Jim Jones where it's you know a foundation church that he's running. These people are basically running out of the trunk of a car, and they're getting you know people to donate money, followers here and there. But is a nomadic cult. Um, fun fact: one of their members who ended up dying uh, in the mass suicide, uh, the woman who played uh, Lieutenant Aurora in the original series. Uh, her brother was a victim of the cult. He became he became part of it and joined and died. Um, so that's a that's kind of a big kind of kind of pull mm-hmm. when you talk about you know the type of people who joined the cult because uh, another another story like this is like wild wild country when you talk about those people who joined the cult or people in the Jim Jones cult they're not dumb they're not always downtrodden either they just want a place to fit in. I will never take the stance that people who join a cult are dumb or lesser than intellectually. They just want a place to fit in, and society and their own personal development has guided them to that area. And whatever happens, happens. There are a lot of smart people in cults. If you watch Wild Wild Country, there were engineers, city planners, you know, politicians that were part of that cult who turned a desert into an oasis. Here, you had guys who were in web development Mm -hmm. who were part of the cult because by the time they actually get a site in San Diego, they're living in a small mansion, basically, in suburbia, in San Diego. And it's $7,000 a month in 1992. Well, let's let's not jump too far I'm because because I, I feel like we kind of skimmed over some important stuff that happened in the I'm not, 70s. I'm not jumping too. I'm just saying I'm saying to get an idea of like who these people are. Yeah, you know these yeah. are engineers. These are computer engineers, especially, but they're not dumb. Yeah, and I like I wasn't meaning to maybe if I hinted at it, I wasn't trying to say that they were. No, I'm just, I'm just, it's like people who listen to this show. I mm. just want them to understand that the common misconception about cultists is yeah. they're dumb religious fanatics who don't understand anything. No, no, they're just people who fall into place, just like. The other place yeah i mean it's kind of like i'm gonna use uh since we talked about it previously um mi- i'm gonna use middle school as an example right you want to find your in group at that time right now that they have the mentality of somebody in middle school but like people still look for that and if you 
odds were um, at this time, right? Like in the 70s, you had, uh, it was like the height of the Cold War. Uh, eschatology became a big thing. Eschatology being like predicting the end of the world. Um, and that led people who were especially maybe into science fiction to seek that as an escape. So like, they're not, they're not dumb, but at the same time, like if you are a cult leader who specifically goes out of their way to add these uh, extraterrestrial elements, then like you are the target of that person. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. But like going back after, so before they start their little money scam in about 1975, they go to Oregon. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where they get their first group of people. So real quick, <clears throat> I did want to point it. So in 72 is one of the points I was wanting to really kind of touch on, because to me, this kind of shows the dynamic between Marshall and Bonnie. So shortly after they met, um, I, I literally just had till I re uh, scrolled up to um, read her name. Uh, let's see. By June 19th, Applewhite and Nestle's beliefs had solidified in their Christian New King James Version beliefs. Um and they have been trying to reach other uh, higher-level-minded people. Uh, they wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus' reincarnation as a Texan um, and a veiled reference to App a veiled reference to Applewhite. Furthermore, they concluded that there were two witnesses described in the Book of Revelation, and that occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identities, often referring to themselves as the Two or the UFO Two. They believed they would be killed and resurrected, and then in the view of others transported onto a spaceship this event which they referred to as the demonstration was to prove their claims and to their dismay their ideas were poorly received among religious groups so all the way back in 72 they're sitting here going we aliens yeah. <laughs> not just any aliens the two witnesses in revelations yes and this is where we get their nicknames for each other he and doe See, and that's why I felt like this was an important little step so this is, to this it. This is where it comes in important when they're in Oregon, because this is when they create the names T and Doe. When they first get their little batch of followers in Oregon, they yep. convince around 20 people to give up earthly possessions, sell their houses, get cash on hand, and they all go to Colorado. Now, when they talk about that pamphlet, they were able to condense that pamphlet down into basically a a want ad and they start using that money and submitting that to newspapers with wide with wide broadcasting hey do you want to do you think of something new this is us and basically a fucking shot in the dark to every newspaper in every t small town big town big city and they start doing that from oregon all the way to colorado but by the time 1975 rolls around they've been doing this ebb and flow of talking people out of their possessions and into following them now this is kind of the crazy thing about it yeah because actually what talking about what you were saying on there uh sharon morgan in may uh 2074 uh, 1974 rather abandoned her uh two children to join them and then a month later sharon left the two and returned back to her family so i mean they're, these people are getting like wives and mothers to leave their families to go run off with them. And in the 70s, you have this religious revolution that hasn't happened since the 1820s. Uh, because in the 1820s, we get the Shakers 
the Mormons, Mennonites, and we start getting these new religious groups in mass. Uh, yeah, the Great Awakening, I think. Yeah, yeah. the Great Awakening. Uh, there is a small version in the 20s, not, not that big. But in the 70s, you don't only have Jim Jones, have the end of the hippie generation at the tail end of the 60s and the new wave movement, and then you start getting people like Applewhite, and then you start getting people like Ma and Sheila. Uh, you start getting uh, Osho. You start getting new ideas from Eastern religions mixing in with Christianity. And then you get Christian cults that are still in operation today. The family cult. Uh, the Church of the New God. You know, the, These things are still around today, but they... What I think, what fascinating it, what it is about Heaven's Gate, is not only the scientific aspect of it that there is like, hey, science is kind of scary. You know the old time religion that you grew up with in the fifties and sixties as a kid, but you could still have that with us. It's just it was misinterpreted. This is what we figured out that no, Jesus was Jesus. But his spirit was not of earth, you know. And for someone who is having a mental crisis of faith, not of not, not I'm not saying they have a mental disorder, but they having a conscientious escape that they need to reach and that they couldn't get that their parents got from church. It's okay. This new answer is here, and it's a fun it's a fun grab. Scientology did this, but they did it in a way that kind of got rid of psychology that was their big enemy so you do have this new wave not only with science fiction of what the future could be you know but think about what else has happened in the 70s we just landed on the moon in 69 all right the world's changing weapons wise in the 70s vietnam ends in 73 the world is coming off kind of back to a kilter of hey there's no longer a black and white there's a gray area i don't have to worry about hanging out with somebody who's a communist and getting killed i don't have to worry about as much as being nuked as i did in the 50s you know you have a balance that's coming it's a pendulum swing that's coming hard right into the fucking 80s but right there during that swing a religious movement was prime and ready to go and that's where all these cults come from the new age movement is just another idea of how to handle your fucking problems and we can do it through meditation acupuncture yoga communes drinking getting high whatever you want to do <laughs> drinking smoking getting high yeah and like the church of the living murder cycle man uh, <laughs> but with that being said like these guys just like jim jones were in the prime of their fucking lives to pick these people out of these small towns and drag them whenever they wanted to go and i'm not saying he's doing this in a malicious way i'm just saying he's the guy that hit that point because eventually someone's going to come along and hit that home run every time it's not i'm not saying marshall applewhite is evil he's not good but he's not evil. 
yeah, yeah. You know, not, not like Jim Jones. Jim Jones is fucking evil. Jim Jones was fucking evil. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like going into like nineteen seventy five, this is where in their Kingdom of Heaven T and Doe age is really kicking the fuck off. Yeah. When they started talking about things like the next level. Yeah. Um they start doing uh video recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start doing uh, live seminars, conventions. Basically, they start doing the 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 hotel convention center kind of spiel, or it's like the quick the get rich quick screen guys, you know. But mm. they do it that way in a religious aspect. They they're not going to a church, but they are getting people who don't want to go to church, but are just kind of agnostic or in the middle, and they're and they do this for a solid decade, and they're able to like build up funds. All the way up to 1985, and there is this lull for that whole decade where you start getting a lot of situations like that young lady with the two kids. There are people leaving their families, but this wasn't like just for Heaven's Gate. This happened all throughout the 70s, all across America with different cults. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that one cult that used to be. They used to make fun of them. They used to be at the airport all the time, but uh, the uh, People with the tambourines and shit and the turbans and shit. But anyway, it was a joke in the movie Airplane. Yeah. <laughs> but those guys, they were a legitimate cult. They would catch people just tired as fuck at an airport and talk them into going into a meeting while they're waiting for the next flight. And then all of a sudden, they're part of that fucking cult. And they use targeting tactics. T and Doe. That's, I'll just name them as that. Apple White Nettles, they use that same tactic. They find people who are downtrodden, and this is an evil tactic that they use, but it's a tactic that works because they think they are the good people. The problem with what I see this is, out the gate, if you're telling me that you're the reincarnation of the two witnesses of Revelations, that's a bad thing. (laughs) If I'm going to join a cult, please tell me the world's going to end in like 2154. That way we could just hang out. You know what I'm saying? No, we can't just hang out. No, I can't be like, oh, the world's ending in 2025. That sucks. What about like 2075? <laughs> you sure? Because that's a good good time away, brother. But and that's you know, that goes into the whole aspect of What's a good cult leader? A good cult leader says the world ends after he dies because he don't give a fuck. <laughs> but yeah, so like these guys going into the 80s, they they are just bebopping along, traveling, and doing the pamphlet thing. Yeah. Um, and it, I think in it's in 76 that they stop what they called, they called these uh, the harvest, mm-hmm. right? So the first harvest lasted up until 1976. And this is when they uh, close all like close off and start to really kind of make that uh doctrine that we've been talking about kind of throughout this um they didn't have priests or bishops or anything like that of course no hierarchy in the cult yeah. only um, t and do but like a rigid set of behavioral guidelines including like banning sexual activity drug use yeah. etc and um yeah things like that celibacy um you would have a check partner so like somebody who kind of like how mormons travel in pairs right to make sure one of them doesn't fall into sin it's the same Until sort of they concept. they fall into sin too with each other. <laughs> well, that's when they get to a camp with their accountability. Yeah. <laughs> and the, or um, 
they viewed their body as a vehicle and their mind as a computer. Yeah. Um, they would dress androgynously um, because, you know, they're... A lot of sweatpants. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of sweatpants, but mostly for the sexual aspect, look androgynous to kind of repress those urges along with celibacy. Um, li- very limited media, except for, of course, Star Trek and aspiring to be the Borg. Um, something I learned that I thought was pretty interesting um, is that they would, in order to more of be, in order to be affirming, kind of like the Borg, right? To kind of embrace that aspect of them. Um, they would change their names so they would take two letters of your original name uh and then you would just add o-d-y at the end so like my name robert i would be r Bodie. right with to i'm assuming that is to kind of like change your you're already thinking like a board kind of mm-hmm. changing how your computer runs is how I would guess that works. Well, it's also the tactic of a major religion or a cult. I need to take away the basic human function of want. What's more wanting than getting fucking laid? I'm going to take that away from you. Unless I'm making a sex cult, that's the first thing I'm taking away from you. And then I'm taking away the drugs. Unless it's a monarchy substance where I'm the only person that's sober. Uh, I'm taking you change your name, which the Nation of Islam does that to people. You are a great example. You are no longer Cassius Clay. You are Muhammad X. And the Muhammad X became Muhammad Ali. That's how that worked. So you, you create a whole new identity under this church. And when you're doing that, you're stripping your mind of your old life and the anchor and base you lived by. And when you start stripping that away from people, along with you know sex and want, and then having someone check in on you, it becomes this faux version of, oh, I'm being taken care of, when in fact you are being controlled. Yeah. Um, and uh, to continue on with uh, where we are with doctrine here, um, <laughs> some another effect of this is that like, the way it was framed within the uh, cult of Heaven's Gate is that uh, it was a personal metaphysical journey at this specific point. A lot of people characterize it as spiritual from the beginning, and there's truth to that, but that's not how they viewed it themselves. It was a personal metaphysical journey, um, but that that everybody was free to leave, in quotes, but once you've done all of this and you leave to go reintegrate into society, you find that you are now the out group. So where does that lead you? Right back to them. So it makes it even harder to kind of escape that life. That goes back to Hamlin's uh, book, Stranger in a Strange Land. Michael Valentine Smith yep. comes to Earth and has to integrate himself as a human on Earth, as a person human on Mars. And then his personal beliefs are seen as oh no we don't do that here remember the uh, the aspect of uh grokking yeah yeah uh, a a verb that was used to just kind of describe this mutual understanding psychologically physically and emotionally but that's how they wanted to be there is no sex there is no you and i there is only us and that's how Michael Valentine Smith was in the book. 
he, he saw everyone as his brother or sister. Most of what happened in the 70s. But yeah, going back, going back. Well, so my main question. So one of the things I was kind of looking through, because this kind of seems to be the point to ask, what happened between the mid '80s and the mid '90s? Because looking through like the website, the Wikipedia page, it really seems like you know in the mid '80s they just kind of dipped the fuck out. And then the next part of it is talking about contemporary media coverage where um, it was covered by uh, L.A. Weekly in 94 talking about the book Messengers of Deception from 79. And so in 1985, Bonnie Nettles dies of cancer. And this is kind of a big blow to the doctrine, because if your body is think of it like this, right? If your body is a vehicle, what happens when that vehicle breaks down? It's not supposed to because I am an extraterrestrial being going to achieve the next level. Um, and what that was especially hard for Marshall because she, like, he's doe, she is teeth, or the, the two, Bo and Peep, you know? And so for the first time in, I like, the first 10 years of the existence of this cult, he sends everybody home and then goes on this kind of spiritual journey of his own for the second time yeah like a vision quest before recalling everybody and that's when the doctrine really changes from that physical metaphysical journey to the spiritual journey to where he starts calling himself the second like the text the reborn texan jesus etc um yeah so like he's going on so when bonnie nettles dies the rock of the religion is gone Everyone saw Bonnie Nettles as the true leader. The true leader. Apple White would take cues from her because she was a little bit more experienced on the Bible than he was. But, you know, at the end of the day, they were the leaders together. Uh, This wasn't like one guy, one religion. This was a couple that dominated the whole fucking thing and when one goes it kind of goes to shit but what happens between 85 and 95 something special happens star trek the next generation debuts (laughs) and now we have a whole new source from 87 throughout the 90s of product that he can realize like oh my god how could i have missed it because People keep in mind, Star Trek debuts in the 60s and runs for maybe three seasons. What they're watching is a syndicated run of a three-season show that doesn't come back on air until 1987 as the next generation. I used to watch Next Generation. I watched it with my grandpa. Yeah, I watched it with my dad, yeah. There are some batshit moments in there that kind of change the story of the original series. If he's on his vision quest, he's two years out of his best friend, his his partner, gone, and he sent everyone home, and he's got to figure out what to do now. This show comes on. He watches it for maybe two or three years, and he realizes, I know what I did wrong. Bonnie didn't leave us. She just ascended first. 
And so now he's able to bring everyone back into the fold to a point. Because not everybody comes back, obviously. Uh, but because it's the 90s going into it, I would say around 1990 was his prime time way of coming back. Because that's when he starts going back and starts reintegrating the pamphlets, starts reintegrating the conferences. And then people start coming back and they're like, hey, Marshall, how you doing? I can imagine that's how most of the conversation started. And he's like, I'm doing good. I found some stuff out that I've realized that we met me and me and Doe have missed. Let me tell you about it. And then he starts doing the video recordings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The video recordings that he does, the uh, the rituals and the teachings and everything are so fucking serious. If you watch Apple White, you can watch him on YouTube. If you watch him talk in these videos, he almost doesn't blink and he maintains eye contact with you, not in a serious, scary tone, but it's it's a monotone, it's comforting, and it's something you would hear like a grandpa would say trying to get you to fall asleep or something like that. It's, it's this old guy just trying to tell you, trying to comfort you into, this is how it is. This is, this is what you used to know and this is what it really is. When we ascend to the gates of heaven, we will leave this vehicle together. And it's very melodic the way he talks. Uh, a great description of this is how people have said before Jim Jones started wearing the sunglasses was Jim Jones could look you in the face in a crowd of people and make you feel like you're the only person there. A surviving cult member said that. Here's the crazy part. That surviving cult member in the 90s met Bill Clinton on a campaign run and said he could do the same goddamn thing. They said Bill Clinton could look you in the face, man or woman, and make you feel like you're the only person there. And that is a crazy fucking skill to do. That is That, that could either be the most sincere thing a person can do, but it's also the most corruptible thing a person can do. And he has that. If you watch those videos, and if you're in a... Think about this. It's the early 90s. We're coming off a recession. You probably don't have a job. A scary thing called AIDS is running around. Desert Storm just fucking happened. We have no idea where we're going as a country. The internet hasn't been quite invented yet. You're kind of lost, right? The 90s hasn't really picked up the jobs market till after 92 so you're just lost you're post 80s you're out of coke you're out of work so <laughs> then you start hearing hey this guy marshall applewhite is kind of doing a new age kind of thing it's cool it's got a lot of science into it and you're just like well let's see what he's about and that's when it starts and he starts picking the fuck back up yeah um it in when it picks back up the cult goes from being this thing with like maybe a few dozen members the second harvest act they actually get up into the hundreds still mm. small by comparison to a lot yeah, of no, other ones it's no like of. 1000 membership jim jones or yeah but like hundreds of people um and it's not until things start uh changing more in, more intensely this happens in a lot of other cults, like um, the one of the biggest ones recently, Nexium, 
that happened. Like they start introducing things that not a lot of uh, members will do, except for the most loyal, most, uh, invested. So he starts doing. I things need like, you to be part of the religion, and I need you to prove to me that you're in for the long haul. So doing things like we're going to get you castrated. Yes. They start mandating castrations. He, he since he is still a closeted homosexual and very obviously ashamed of it, he starts kicking out members that he is attracted to. Mm. He castrates himself. And that's, himself. That's, that's another thing that you don't see a lot of cult members do. The rules for thee, not for me, is a big part of the cult aspect. Uh, the guy that read the Anthill Kids, he liked to drink and smoke, but they couldn't. Charles Manson would tell everybody to take acid or take mushrooms or whatever, and he'd be sober just watching. And he could fuck any woman in the cult, but they couldn't fuck around. You know what I'm saying? Unless yeah. they're unless they're fishing and bringing people into the cult. Uh, Jim Jones, big part of abstinence, started fucking other people's wives. Uh, David Koresh, you no longer have to have sex with your wife. I'll do it for you. You know that that kind of control is kind of what keeps the membership kind of high mm-hmm. is because like this guy can wield that much power in a cult of personality and you're like you said hundreds of people and if you're seeing that you're like well there's got to be something about this motherfucker he's got to be right about something nobody would just follow an idiot right <laughs> that you would hope boy <laughs> yeah oh boy <laughs> um yeah and so that is the uh that's the second harvest where it really kind of starts picking up back up its steam. The doctrine fundamentally shifts into more of the, that spiritual journey that castrations start being mandated, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then that's, I mean, that's when we really bust into the nineties. Yeah. Um, all this was it between 85 and night and, uh, probably about 1995. Um, so between, so between the early nineties up until 1995, a lot of the people that are attracted to this cult are in California. They've moved to California, and the number one job in California was the tech industry. So a lot of the people that he gets involved are web developers, people who are doing coding, people who are doing website development. Well, they were? Yeah. Uh, I Looking at their own website, I couldn't tell. In 1994, 1995, that, that's tough. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey. Definitely very 90s that's, website. That's top tier green text on black. Bro, green text on black. That's prime shit back bro, then. I, I remember looking at this website before, but it's like, you know how you can like take in different things at different parts in your life and like all of a sudden one day you read something that you've read a million times and like it sinks in more than it did before. Dude, I'm having that right now at this website. This website is so fucked. Like, we could have an entire website just on the, um, an entire episode on just the articles on this site. It's yeah. fucking nuts, yeah. dude. Yeah. He he had these guys make this website. Sorry, uh, not, before you go back into it, my favorite bit. So, when you go to the website, of course, they're already talking, not to get too far ahead of the discussion, but they're already talking about, you know, Hellbop and shit like that and the end of, you know, Heaven's Gate, yada, yada, yada. However, you scroll down and, you know, you still got, you know, specific tabs and things. My favorite tab, my, actually, my second favorite, my, I want to discuss my favorite in full when we actually get to it. My second favorite tab is one that says, How a member of the kingdom of heaven might appear. And I'm like, Ooh. 
I'm curious about that. You click it. It's a page with a single JPEG of this bald looking motherfucker. And that's just, that's all there is on that page. got a giant head. <laughs> it's an alien. It is. But I just love how like. But it's like the stereotype of an alien almost. The gray. Like, yeah. The gray. Yeah. The gray man. Like, but, but yeah, so I just it, I mean, but you you like click on other things and it's like pages and pages of text, like walls of text, you know, so it's like as I'm going through all these, I'm like, ooh, you know, all this. Yeah. What what's a what's a kingdom of uh, heaven might appear looking like? Oh, <laughs> a single fucking JPEG on the website. So, yeah, go on. <laughs> I don't know what a JPEG is. All I know is the kingdom of heaven looks like. I just want a picture of a goddamn kingdom of heaven. <laughs> uh, but those guys, you know, they're making that. And if you think about this for a minute, imagine a world. Only imagine. Where, let's say Jim Jones didn't kill anybody. Let's say he didn't kill a fucking standing senator. Let's say they made it to the mid-90s. Can you imagine the internet presence of Jim Jones? Can you imagine the internet presence of Ma Nan Sheila? You know, of Osho? You know, these people, you know, to us, the internet is, you know, the end all be all. If you, if, you, if I got a holy roller on here telling me the end of days is this, I got a billion fucking people on the other end of me like, this guy is batshit. <laughs> okay. But then, back then, it's all forums. How did you find this website? You had to be either told about it or brought there through maybe a pamphlet, maybe a link in a in a chat forum, or maybe a catalog or some shit. You know, mm-hmm. that's all yeah. it was. Like the song, the internet song, but <laughs> catalogs and fucking forums. Yep. Uh, and think about how personal that made it too. Like somebody. Maybe it was somebody you already knew going, hey, check this shit out. And of course, like in the night between the 70s and 90s, there's a lot more, I would say, personal trust between people. So like if your friend sent you a website, you would immediately assume that that was some cool shit. Hey, Tim, Tim and Weldon, man, sent me this, man. This is pretty wild. Meanwhile, the other guy, I'm like, Tim and accountant sent me this. What a fucking idiot. I'm going <laughs> to kick his ass for wasting my time. He sends me the Numa Numa Kid one, t- one more time. I swear to God. I swear to Christ. Oh, is it more Star Trek shit, Apple White? God damn it. <laughs> but like. Yes, that's all the new episode. Yeah, God damn it. Oh, fuck you, dude. I know Riker's the shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, imagine if he just had the internet. And the, the All homie needed was to find a message board or a uh, group chat with the fucking Star Trek shit, and he would have been happy. He could have made... It, man, if he had just found D&D, that's the thing. Well, Speaking D&D, of D&D. D&D <laughs> is a satanic game made by the devil. Well, he could have made a Christian version. But in fact, uh, the guy I was the guy that made the second version of D and D was a Methodist who wrote version two. I think version two was a D and D, which should be version two. I think was still Gygax. Yeah, but like there was a, I forget who it was it created. Uh, one of the versions of D and D rules was created by a Methodist, and it was like really complex. And it was just like. There's the meth and Methodist. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it, was like, I, it was like, I shoot an arrow. All right, well, you need to roll for the chance of rain, the wind direction. And yeah. Like, it's like, what? A lot okay. of statistical <laughs> math, and it's just like, oh, all these guys take drafting classes. God damn it. <laughs> Fucking hate these guys. God, they ruined the game. 
This was used to be a game where we could listen to Pink Floyd and Zeppelin in my basement, burn one down, and talk about wizards and shit. <laughs> but but with that website, you know, you're talking about, you know, we joke about it now, but think about what that website would look like compared to early, early websites that yeah. were before our time. I remember that, that, that probably looked at doing things at the same time it probably looked like it was state of the art like, that looks like fucking Amazon Prime back in 1995 yeah. <laughs> like I've got to say it's got recommendations it's got links to articles it's got photos it's got photos of galaxies and shit look at the backdrop it's, it's got, got stars and shit black green on green text on black man that's that's pretty that's hip. classic that's hip <laughs> that's new it's exciting Jerry, check this out. And it's just a new episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> I got these new Nike Decades, and I love applesauce for some goddamn reason. <laughs> but but with with that, you know, he kind of called himself kind of in a catch-22 when it comes to, like, when it comes to the tail end, when, when we get closer to the tail end. It comes into this significant group of people. And on top of the videos he's recording – now we get testimonial videos. Mm-hmm. These are the videos of the people within the cult who are telling what it's like to be in there. And it's not since Jim Jones that we see a lot of these kind of videos. There were people who lived after Jim Jones. There were people who lived after uh, the Rajneeshis who would tell you like what it was like. And they tell it. It's like a paradise almost. Sands the murder. <laughs> so... Think about this in the context of the early '90s. This guy, you're a new. Let's say you're a news outlet. You're LA Twelve. You know, doing a story about this wild group of fucks, and you cut and you come across a videotape, a viral videotape of you know them talking about their thing. Well, that doesn't sound too much different from those new Scientology guys down the road in in Central LA or Clearwater, Florida. That doesn't sound too much different from that show, The X Files, that just debuted. You know. Are aliens real? Are we questioning that? You know, that's that's the new discovery age of the nineties. And so if I'm a if I'm, you know, thirty something years old, nineteen ninety five, I get sent that link, I start I'm at you know, at work with the internet and I'm fucking scrolling through on my break, I'm just like, This is some fascinating shit. You know why? Because I'm not flooded with other bullshit. I don't have to get on Facebook. I don't have to be bombarded with Instagram or Snapchat. I'm reading every fucking article about the goddamn stars and shit and how heaven's in the fucking galaxy and how this new comet that they discovered is coming by and that might be my last ride to heaven. A Hellbop comet. <laughs> yeah, Hellbop. In, seen in 95 um, and then they discovered it's... Uh, a companion comment, I think, is what it's called, uh, in 96. And yep. they decided that that trailing comet was the spaceship that uh, T was on. Yeah. Yes. Bonnie Nettles has already left this mortar coil. And now and what, she's up there. What started that? What what caused Doe, do whatever the fuck his name is, Doe, Do, to believe that... During Hale-Bop, if there was going to be a companion, which he believed there was, that that was going to be the spaceship, what led him to come to this conclusion? I believe, at this point, he is so far backed in a corner 
that he needs an out. I kind of agree, kind of disagree. I kind of agree that he was back. Well, what the fuck do you know? You're from West Virginia. No, I'm just fucking with you. Go ahead. Man, <laughs> if you've been, you'd know. Um, but, I saw the Mothman at the Waffle House. But, I mean, I see him all the time, man. <laughs> Mothman ate my ass at the Waffle House. Yeah. But, nah, but, it was at the Biscuit World. <laughs> <laughs> Tudor's Biscuit World. Tudor's Biscuit World. Hell yeah. Tudor's but is awesome. In in, 90, uh, in 95, 96, in that uh, span of years, right? The government's taken out other cults left and right, mm. right? Waco, Ruby Ridge. So they, I think they quote those a few times on this website as well. So I think that in his mind, he was probably like, "We need to get this done as fast as possible before the government steps in." So about that, uh, we had an episode about Waco, uh, the preamble, which is Ruby Ridge. Uh, for those who don't know who have not listened to that episode, uh, please go back and enjoy it. But in the 90s, there is a religious problem uh, with people who were going against the government that were doing some, I'm going to say sketchy shit, not illegal shit, but just sketchy shit. Uh, And Ruby Ridge is the opening salvo. (laughs) Uh, And then goes into Waco, which goes into inevitably Oklahoma City bombing. Homegrown terrorism is the signature of the 90s. And I can understand that this is why I understand why he's backed in a corner because he I think he he saw himself as oh my god they're going to make me a homegrown terrorist because they killed that guy in Waco, Texas. But you got to think about you got to think about the context of the 90s. The people in the news outlets at that time are like they're listening to the people in Waco, Texas. Because that's, the ATF ain't doing fucking press interviews because they need to keep their fucking story straight during the court case. So if I'm hearing people from Waco, Texas, have been like, David never did anything wrong. He just ran a church with all them good people. Then people died because the government killed them. If I'm T and hearing that shit, and I've already seen the government kill those people at Ruby Ridge... I kind of don't want to be labeled like David Koresh. So now I'm kind of backed into a corner. And I'd rather go out how I want to go out. And there's just a quick thing to add um, is there's a fellow on on YouTube by the name of Miles Power. um, And he has a, I think it's like a two or three part series kind of debunking all of the conspiracies that surround uh specifically Waco mm. and how and kind of like the martyrization of the people involved and I don't think he necessarily takes he doesn't take side and say the government was 100% right but at the same time he's like you know oh no hey, David guys. Koresh is an asshole yeah he's like hey guys like you know they did some wrong shit like yeah. just just because they fought the FBI and ATF doesn't make them the good guys yeah but you in know? the context of let's, uh, I'm putting myself in Apple Watch shoes yeah yeah if I'm hearing all these people from Waco and I'm hearing one ATF guy saying hey, David Koresh is a monster but all these other people who are going to court going to jail and stuff and saying no we were just trying to have a church out in our hometown and mm-hmm. they attacked us as a regular person, even as crazy as Apple White was, I can hear, I can see him understanding, like, oh my God, the government is killing new religions. Yeah. And now I got to worry about my, me and mine. 
and I think that's what backs him into a corner. Yeah. Well, well so not, I'm sorry to keep no, cutting you off. Go ahead. This just literally pulls us. So this was the segment I really wanted to talk about. I, of course, this is a suicide cult. Mm. This is what it comes down to. However, they have a segment on their website labeled our position against suicide. And it's like a full four paragraph thing. And I've read through this thing so many times, but this is where it actually connects directly in with what you were talking about, Chris. Um, The first paragraph says, we know that it is only while we are in these physical vehicles, bodies, that we could learn the lessons needed to complete our own individual transition, as well as to complete our task of offering the kingdom of heaven to a civilization one last time. We take good care of our vehicles so they can function well for us in this task, and we try to protect them from any harm. Skipping a couple paragraphs, this is where it connects in with what Chris is talking about, uh, it could happen before that spacecraft comes. One or more of us could lose our physical vehicles, bodies, due to a, quote, recall, comma, accident, or at the hands of some irate individual. We do not anticipate this, but it is possible. Another possibility is that because of the position we take in our information, we could find so much we could find so much disfavor with the powers that control this world that there could be attempts to... Uh, incarcerate us or subject us to some sort of uh, physiological or uh, psychological or physical torture such as occurred in both Ruby Ridge and Waco. That is the mental gymnastics needed to say suicide is okay. Mm -hmm. And sorry, to wrap it up, (laughs) skipping a few more paragraphs, wrapping the page, it says, the true meaning of suicide is to turn against the next level when it is being offered. In these days, we are focused on two primary tasks. One, of making the last attempt of telling the truth about how the next level may be entered, our last effort at offering individuals of the civilization a way to avoid, quote, suicide, and two, taking advantage of a rare opportunity we have each day to work individually on our personal overcoming and change in preparation for entering the kingdom of heaven. So they literally just see our flesh and bones as like a costume and that if we were to harm that, that's not proper suicide. That would be us ascending. Suicide is rejecting the offer. Yeah. Uh, language control and kind of yes i'm forgetting what the actual word is but like change the changing and arguing of definitions of words is textbook cult stuff Mm -hmm. and they're they're no different it's also a great tactic of cannibals (laughs) Uh, (laughs) a a great story about this is the people that were were trapped on the andes mountains uh speaking of cannibals great story uh great story uh (laughs) they were devout they were catholics and they saw that eating the flesh of their fellow dead members as a necessary thing to do because if they didn't, they would have died and that would have been suicide because they didn't try to save themselves. I'm not saying you should kill someone and be a cannibal. They did. They they ate dead people, but which is a whole different word, apophagy. But um, yeah, that's the mental gymnastics you need to justify some bullshit action. So, yeah. so, so proper suicide is turning against the next level mm. and continuing to live your mortal. You know life. what, Apple White? Fuck you. Fuck the comment. Fuck the applesauce. I'll take all the barbiturates if I goddamn want to. I'm gonna rub one out, blow my goddamn brains out. Y'all can meet me on the other side. 
Well, that's suicide. <laughs> I do have to say, though, in this whole deep dive, the one thing I'm not really grasp, not really necessarily not grasping, but one th- one aspect that seems to be a bit missing in this and not missing when we talk about maybe something like a Ruby Ridge, a Waco, um, a Om Shurikyo, other cults is the main hook. Like. I understand that they think that they are aliens trapped in skin suits mm. and that they can they're trying to ascend to a higher power and they're trying to pass on the good word. Was that enough? Was that really all it was? Like it feels like with so many of these others like there was a bigger grab for these people. This one just feels like such a stretch. It's Almost. a stretch because of the way we grew up. Well, even with that, I mean, I think back at some of the other things. I mean, even take Waco, for example. Live off the land, protect your own. That was like the main things he was really pushing. I understand where a lot of people could be attracted to that and fall into that cult. Are you really telling me it's just a bunch of, you know, late 80s, early 90s computer nerds sitting here going, well, this is cool. I guess I'll follow it. Well, it's not only, it's not just that. They have been a part. A lot of these guys were people who have been a part of it since the early 80s and came back during the second harvest when there's hundreds of them we're talking about a tight 40 yeah but but there's new recruitments in there as well there's always new recruitments to a cult and whatever whatever you find in something in a new group or a new thing you're gonna find one little thing it's hard to say well why does jim jones sound so good what about him made him so fucking magnanimous it's hard to pinpoint it because, yes, in the early days, he was doing civil work. He was doing civil rights acts. He was a socialist. You know, he, was, he, he helped the people. He was the people's temple. That's kind of exciting. But when you're in, well, why did they stay? He's throwing the Bible down on the ground, stomping on it, saying, God, kill me now. Guess what? He's not fucking real. I'm real. I would have left. Everyone else stayed. So trying to find justification, I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. What's the hook? Yeah, because it's like I, I hate sounding like that, but it's like I get the other cults, but, I get the hook. I, I'm not. But the hook. This feels very surface level. Like I was mm-hmm. waiting for that final I scoop think, in that was going to be like, oh, that's why people are really believing this. I think that's why it's so small is because the hook only got a handful of people. Jim Jones had a thousand people in Guyana. 900 of them, dead or in hell. <laughs> dead or in hell. Um, Shunrikyo, he got them so ramped the fuck up, they created a terrorist attack. David Koresh was generational people, people who had been in the church. Their grandparents were a part of, their great-grandparents were a part of, people who moved to Texas with the church. That's what they were. So... It wasn't a lot of new recruits at Waco. It was just like people who were just generationally trapped. The hook of a cult isn't about the religious part. It's not always the answer to a question. It's, I want to belong, and this demographic of people feel just right. 
It, it, and and I just, guess they feel just right enough to believe that they're going to recycle and exit off of this world and get on a spaceship like that. That's the part that I mean, because I've seen the videos. I've seen the dude yeah. like, yeah, he's got some crazy eyes. He can suck you in. But like on more in a creepy way, not like in a, oh, wow, this this is a messiah type way. Well, that's I think that's that's what I. Well, it's just not a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, yeah. I get what you're saying. And I'm going to use, uh, I already mentioned them earlier, um, but I'm going to use Nexium again as an example, right? Like, you do these things in the doctrine, like the castrations, the androgyny, repression, etc., um, to weed out the people that are not going to follow through. That's why I preface to everything with, you know, not everybody can fall for a cult it's only the people that like from the get-go they're searching for a certain type of person and it's Mm -hmm. a person that's going to be willing to go through with castrating themselves and going all the way there there are phases that you'll see in cults the first phase is the thesis statement phase where i am a we believe in b are you with me if not you are c then phase two. Phase two. To test the faith of the congregation, Jim Jones told everyone to take a sip of a drink and he watched. He's higher than fuck, but he's watching and he's watching people who don't take the drink and then he boxes those motherfuckers out. Um, Shinrikyo tortured people to death who were not down with the cause. <laughs> the anthill kids took a girl's fucking leg off because he could because she had a question and everyone else was like uh, I think I'll just shut the fuck up now and follow and make jam I think that's my, that will be my jam you know jellies and jams jellies and jams uh, but like these are the phases of a cult Nexium was mm-hmm. moderate yeah. torture if I remember correctly yeah, uh, the, it was the branding was first branding torture and then um, whoever wanted to get the fuck out got the fuck out but the ones who stayed were the ones that bought into like the we're gonna wear those ridiculous sashes. Yes, and uh, we're gonna go along with uh, whatever hum- humiliations, turning over the secrets of my life, etc. That one was more blackmail, but the the methods of control are all the same. Yeah. yeah so the only one that's the outlier of this is Scientology. Scientology is a generational phase out. I need you to be cool about everything, and I need your kids to be cool about it. And I need a lot of money. Money, money is the backbone. But sunk cost definitely gets a lot of people too, probably. Yeah. But also, that was a ever growing religion. After the main guy dies, the new guy comes in and says, "Hey." He said there were eight phases. We realized that there's nine. So now you got to start back from the beginning and work your way back. And once you get to nine, I can explain everything. And by the time you get to nine, there's a fucking phase 10 and then a phase 11 and phase, you know, this, this, and this. Secret 13. Yeah. So it's like rungs on a ladder. So he didn't have that. He didn't need that because now with the threat of the government, he has a low congregation of devout followers. He's golden. 
He's golden for that final phase. You're either with me or you're against me. And you get to the Jim Jones phase. The end all, be all. I hope this doesn't happen in our lifetime with Scientology. That would be horrific. <laughs> David Miscavige comes out on stage and tells everybody to kill each other. <laughs> I mean, we need a few more movies from Tom Cruise first. Yeah. Uh, I would argue, as a Chris Morrison prediction, that if David Miscavige dies of a horrific hot air balloon accident... Uh, <laughs> Um, or you kill, go with your hot air balloons again. If you keep talking about the government, that'll happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We are gathered here today at the funeral of Alex Stiff. We could not find his remains, but God damn, he loved hot air balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knew the long history. And he, we just show his Photoshop pictures of you in the fucking <laughs> on a hot air balloon. Just like, yeah, bro. <laughs> and you just horrifically fall in. Yeah, it man. happens to the best of us. <laughs> I want to go out saying, huh, I guess that was a shark. <laughs> See, <laughs> something fun. But uh, <laughs> but I digress. But I predict Tom Cruise would be the next leader of Scientology. Mm. And bring it out of the fucking dark ages of, you know, missing wives and uh, Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> but, but now he's boxed in. Yeah, so we get to the meat of it. Yeah, and now we have the Hellbob Comet, the ship that's following it. And now he tells them the final stage. And this is where that gymnastics comes in. Because you know mm-hmm. there's a couple guys on that website that are clicky-clacking and been like, well, it says it says here that suicide's wrong. Well, did you read the last paragraph Tim added? <laughs> Go read. I don't think you did. And you got fucking Apple Watch tiny ass looking at you, not blinking. And you're like, well, yeah, I guess I could, let me check the computer real quick. <laughs> check the website. <laughs> Ten minutes later. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, I do love their last meal. So they go to a, a diner the, uh, the, uh, right before they all uh, decide to leave this mortal coil um, and eat nothing but chicken pot pie and chocolate cake. <laughs> Sing songs in a diner. Just hang out. And they're listening. Uh, the way they describe what they look like when they're in the diner are in fucking black sweatpants and black t-shirts. They probably look like a group of martial artists who just got out of fucking training and just like had a great time and just like wanted to finish the night out at like a Denny's. <laughs> I do also love this little random um, tidbit. Um so, in October 96, the group burned in a large house they called the Monastery, a 9,200-square-foot uh, uh, mansion uh, located right outside of uh, Santa Fe, California. Uh, paid 7000 a month in cash. Mm-hmm. The same month, the group purchased alien abduction insurance yes. that would cover up to 50 members and would pay out $1 million per person. The policy covered abduction, impregnation, or death by aliens. Yes. They paid $10,000 cash. And you got to think about this. All these guys are working as web developers. <laughs> and so that's where the money's coming from. I need to work for a fucking insurance company, man. Guy, like, they, these guys are making money hand over fist for fucking nothing, bro. Alien insurance? Bro, I'm offering fucking alien insurance fucking right now. Hit me up at the Something Good Network Instagram. <laughs> Shit. Hot air, bo- hot air balloon insurance. <laughs> I do not cover that. I'm sorry. You need that. <laughs> but yeah, so... They go in to prepare themselves 
to ascend. Uh, they don robes. Uh, they wear a crisp, each one, a crisp pair of Nike Decades. And I can only imagine after they are discovered, the guy at Nike being like, God fucking Shit. damn it. We have to make a new shoe. We can't have cult shoes out here. God damn it. Yeah. Um, it was uh, being a barbital um, you, with pudding or apple applesauce, applesauce um, and vodka. And vodka. <laughs> and then they just put a plastic bag over their head and fell asleep. And fell asleep. And with, I think it was done in like three groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had group one. Group one go. The next group would uh, cover the bodies. Uh, you know, dress them up, whatever, move them. Then they <laughs> uh, yeah. do the same thing. And then the next group, uh, except for of course the last ones to do it, because there was nobody left. There was one guy. One guy lasted. One guy. His job. And now think about this. He sacrificed himself to stay on earth to be the last caretaker and to give a statement to the world. Uh, uh, Dominique Prado, I think his name was. Fascinating guy. You have got to be the smoothest motherfucker to tell Marshall Applewhite, Marshall, my man, I think we need someone to stay behind to tell the story. Well, I, uh, well, Mr. Uh, Prado, I don't understand. Or I mean, we, we do have all this video, the no. archive on the website. No, I no, I understand that. We have that. But the last phase, who is going to take care of them? Well, I mean, we, we do have, you know, certain safeguards. Marshall, 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 my man. Uh, <laughs> and it's just that, that conversation. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like that guy who probably talked to Jim Jones is like, yeah, uh, while you guys are doing this, I'm going to take my AK out. I'm going to go into the woods, make sure there's no survivors. You, you do that. You do that. And he's just like, what a fucking skate I got off on this. God just moonwalked out of that motherfucker. Yeah. Wait, going back real quick to the Nikes. I just, it was an in joke that they wore Nikes. That instead of, you know how Nike is just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Hey. Just do it. Uh, <laughs> I also love, uh, they also all had armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team. Yeah, so when they went into the diner, that was the patches that the waitresses saw, and they was just like, fucking losers. Is <laughs> there a turkey convention in town? Bunch of nerds, nerds. nerds. <laughs> and you know what fucking sucks? What I think is like, for these Star Trek fans, right when they died, if they had waited Deep Space Nine fucking finale <laughs> was gonna be like right up there <laughs> and they could have just stayed they could have lasted like six more bus they could have saw the finale and write a whole new chapter that are weird little religion i also find it interesting they left uh, a five dollar bill and 75 cents in yes. each pocket over the cost of vagrancy yep that's that is just wild but that could also be some shit that Apple White said. I'm like, hey, man, you got to pay the toll. Like, <laughs> got to pay the troll toll. Yeah. And to me, this just adds a layer of creepiness. Of course. Okay. I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but uh, so. Everyone, we shall ascend in hot air balloons. <laughs> every, every, everyone has ascended at this point. Yep. And as you were saying, someone needs to stay behind to tell the story. However, their website 
was set up to be ready for that by now. The opening paragraph to the away team's message, because they anticipated the news was going to pick it up. The opening paragraph, it says, To be issued to news media. By the time you read this, we suspect that the human bodies we were wearing have been found, and that a flurry of fragmented reports have begun to hit the wire services. For those who want to know the facts, the following statement has been issued. And then it goes on and reads... That just that adds an extra layer of creepiness. So when you deal with, uh, like that, just makes you feel like icky hearing that. So when you you find that a lot in suicide cults, uh, the worst one is the last audio recording of Jim Jones. Yes, that is terrifying. You, you hear sound. people screaming, babies crying, and you and hear nothing, him, and you hear him the whole time preaching mother 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 and he's talking to his fucking wife and she's begging for this to fucking stop meanwhile his two closest people are still stirring the fucking kool-aid and passing the fuck out it is some of the most horrific shit there was actually uh in umshun rikyo there was a plan before they got caught for them all to die before he pulled a saddam hussein and fucking dug himself into a hole with a shit ton of cash and drugs um they were all going to kill themselves too. They had a statement prepared because they assumed the ricin poison they had they had created would have killed them on the train. So that was another like creepy aspect to it. Like when you're dealing with suicide cults, you're going to get those statements. Hey, this is what we're about. Blah blah blah. Uh, recently, there have been two new cults that have kind of popped up on my radar: the Twin Flames um, and. Um, I've heard of Twin Flames. Twin Flames is a relationship cult. But the other one, uh, which I would love to cover cover a deep dive on um, probably later later in 2024, uh, was the uh, Mother God cult, where the cult leader yeah. was killed by her own cult, cult because of lack of understanding of medical science. Uh, she turned purple and died. Uh, she turned into Grimace. Um <laughs> She had one, the one, one too many shakes. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's the story of Heaven's Gate. Uh, there's so much more out there, uh, research wise. Check out the website. Uh, it's yeah, fun. it's fucking fascinating. That's all I've done this entire yeah. episode. Yeah. Which I will say is a funny PS on the Wikipedia page. At the very bottom, the very last in thing, right before the see also section, it says. The infamy caused by the mass suicides, limited availability, and their sudden, unceremonious discontinuation has cited as reasons for the high resale value of Nike decades. <laughs> so, so you can go online. You can go online, and there's always a new pair that pops up, and it's always this is one of the pair, and it's like it's not that all. All that shit got cremated. Like, but it's like I'm assuming it did. Yeah, yeah, but it's like this is one of the pair of Nike decades they wore, and it's just like you piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck, I want a pair now, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think they had odd sizes. <laughs> got ten and a half wide. <laughs> I wear thirteen long, man. Um, but Robert, thanks for joining us. Hope to yeah, have you back soon. I'll be up in West Virginia no time soon. We can talk about the Mothman again. Talk to, talk about the uh, Flatwoods monster because we never did a big deep dive into that one or the Men in Black. No, 
Now the men in black come from West Virginia. That's what that's from. Uh, Alex, always thanks for being our Jamie on this one. Of course. Uh, everybody, please check out all the other shows on the Something Good Network. Uh, Alex has got his little thing. I got my little thing. Every, uh, Mikey's got his little thing. I got. We two. all have little things. I have. We're, I have, we're not self conscious about God, it at all. I'm on three goddamn shows. I'm tired. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> check out all three of my little things. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. And check us out on the discord we take recommendations now or at least the people who read the discord i love that you're like now as if we haven't in the past i have not (laughs) christy has forced me to do that you've been listening to the something good network if you liked what you heard you can follow us on instagram and check out the other great shows on the network link is in the episode description